Hello. Hello. Good morning. Do you want to take your seats? You can carry on your chats later. Good. Well, hello. My name's Nev. I'm one of the pastors of the church here. I'm going to be preaching this morning. Now, I don't usually stand up here. There is a reason. We're going to be doing a, a series uh, today. And over the next four weeks, a vision series. As we regather, we want to remind ourselves, what is our vision as a church? And uh, if you don't know, if you're new, or maybe if you're not new and you have forgotten, it's on our banners just down there. But I just wanted to give us a, a visual demonstration example with this lovely music going on behind me. Up here, we have the cross, if you can see that representation of Jesus, who he is, what he's done for us. And so as a, a church, we are those that are desiring to bring people to Jesus. And we start by bringing ourselves to Jesus. I bring myself to Jesus. That's what I do. As someone who's devoted to him, who loves him, my duty each day is to come before him, to come before his cross and remember who he is, what he's done for me, and the fact that I was lost, but now I'm found through what he has done. But also, we are to be those that bring one another to Jesus. Um, let's see. Who's over there? Evan. Nathan. Uh, who's that at the back there? Uh, let's see. Come down this way. Come to me. Nathan and Evan. Yeah. And Joel, come on, I know you love this kind of thing. <laughs> All right. So I bring myself to Jesus, but also as part of a church, part of a body, I also want to bring others. We bring one another to Jesus. Come here. There we go. Come here, guys. Hey, Joel. Oh, sorry, I, realized I should have got a, a female as well. Sorry, I'm not pre representing. Uh, okay. Izzy, come on, come, run, 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 run. Okay. Of course, I, could, I should bring you all up here, okay. But just imagine this is representing us all. So I, we bring one another to Jesus, okay. So can you say, hey, Nev, come to Jesus. Hey, Nev, come to Jesus. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll bring, uh, thank you for bringing me to him and reminding me once again. You tell Joel, go on. Joel, come to Jesus. Okay, yeah. Well, don't forget Izzy. Okay, so we bring one another to Jesus. That's our purpose here, is to bring ourselves individually, but also to bring one another to Jesus. And then finally, we bring... Oh, what do we bring next? You can't see the banners from up here. Our... People. Our, well, our people, that's us. Looking out there beyond the walls of this building... Into, yes, our community. Yes, of course, you did know that. So we bring our community. So we're saying, like, it's great that we've brought one another to Jesus. We've reminded ourselves of this, but we need to bring uh, our community to Jesus. So we've got to bring our friends, yeah, your neighbors, you're kicking the ball around with people at school, people at work, 
got to bring them to Jesus, haven't we? We've got to encourage and inspire one another. High five. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yes. Okay, round of applause for these guys. I'm going to come back downstairs. One minute. Oh, can they still hear me? Coming down the stairs now. Here we are. Yeah. I'm here. Could you hear that? Oh, good. It's good to know it works. Um, so there we are. That's a reminder of our vision, just in a more visual way, just to help us to remember it, hopefully, as we look at it over the next few weeks. Um, when I was five, about five years old, so that's the age of my son, Isaac, who's just turned five, I gave my life to Jesus. I devoted myself to him. I made that decision, yeah, I, I want to follow you, Jesus, all my days. Even at that young age, from my understanding I had then, I said, I made a decision, I'm going to devote myself to you. And over the years, I've learned, and I'm still learning, what that means, to be devoted to Jesus. And through the help of the Holy Spirit at work in my life, but also through the help of the Holy Spirit at work in and through people, through the church, through one another, as we've just seen, I've learned and I'm continuing to learn what does that look like to be someone who lives all out for Jesus. And we all have things in our lives. We all have passions and desires. We have things that we want to devote our time and energy and our minds to, whether that's our work, whether that's our friends, whether that's our hobbies, um, our volunteering, and, and so on and so on. There's something, there are things in each one of our lives that we're like, I'm really passionate about and devoted to. But the question for us all this morning is this, what or who are you devoted to first and foremost? Is your primary devotion to Jesus? Are you all in for him, as Phil was speaking about last week, if you were here, you're saying, are we those that are going to be all in for him? Or is it perhaps, maybe, right now that you feel like, actually, if I think about it, am I all in? I don't know. I feel like maybe I, I may be half in, one foot in the boat, one not. And um, that's something we've got to think about today, but time and time again. Wait, am I fully devoted to Jesus? Because we can be, we can be all in, and then for whatever reason, sometimes without even realizing it, we've found that we've drifted and we're like, actually, I'm not fully in for him. I'm not fully devoted to him. And so that's why at the start of this new, I say new year, because uh, we often work in like an academic year, so the start of the September term, going into a new school year, as it were. Um, it's a good time for us to stop and reflect on this question again. And our desire and prayer as elders of the church and leaders is that we would all, us, but all of us, would freshly commit our lives to Jesus and that we would be those that are fully devoted. We've come out of a strange time. We're not fully out of it yet with COVID and everything that's gone on the last few years. And it's been unsettling. We've been dispersed and, and um, you know, we found that Different things have been going on in our minds and hearts. We've perhaps been asking questions. But are we all back in? Are we all in for Jesus? And over the next four weeks, we're going to be preaching and teaching into what it means to be devoted. 
And uh, we're going to continue this also on our Wednesday evenings, our together evenings. So that's going to be a continuation from what we do on a Sunday. We might practically do some stuff and spend more time worshipping. So I do encourage you, as Helen was saying, to get to those evenings starting this Wednesday. Um, and that's for you, youth, as well. It's, not, it's for everyone, so you're more than welcome and expected to come along on Wednesday nights. Um, get your homework done and then come along and then get back as soon as you can so you can get to bed. Um, but do be there. Um, the text we're basing our series around is Acts. So if you've got a Bible and you want to have a look, we're looking at um, Acts 2. Is the, the key text is found in there. But I'm actually going to just take us through some of Acts this morning from Acts chapter 1. But if you want to find Acts, I'm going to read from the NIV today. Um, if you're finding a particular version. And over the four weeks, we're going to base these four weeks on Acts 2, verse 42, which says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so each week we're going to look at a section of that, devotion to the apostles' teaching, to the truth, which is what we're going to look at this morning. Next week it's devotion uh, to fellowship, the week after breaking of bread, and the final week, prayer. I want to pray now. Um, before we read from Acts, going to be reading from Acts chapter 1. But let's, let's pray, and let's each of you, as I pray, you pray as well. You ask God right now to be at work in your hearts, to ask the Holy Spirit to teach you right now through what I am sharing. So Father God, I thank you for your presence here with us this morning. I thank you that we serve and we worship a living God, a living God who loves us, who knows us, who knows every single thing of our lives, our history, and loves us. You have called us, you have chosen us, you have drawn us to yourself, those of us that know you and have given our lives to you. And we thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you for your cross. We thank you that if it were not for your death on that cross, we would not have access and be able to come before you, God. But we can. We're righteous before you. We're washed clean of our sin because you died for us, Jesus, and we thank you for that. Holy Spirit, be at work in our hearts today. And over this week, over this term, over this year, we want to be those that meet with you. Work in our hearts this morning. I pray for hearts that maybe are distant from you this morning. People who maybe are feeling a bit um, far from you. Oh Lord God, draw them close to you. Even right now in these next few minutes, draw them back to a closeness with you, I pray. Amen. So let's read from, I'm going to read from Acts 1. I'm going to read some quite large chunks and then I might jump through some verses but, um, from the NIV. Oh, do you know what I was going to do? I was going to get my glasses in my bag and get to that stage where I have to wear them. Um, it's a bit bled. I think they're in there. I know they're well prepared. Thank you, mate. One another. Right there. <coughs> So, in my former book, Theophilus, this is Luke speaking here, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them 
This is Jesus. He's, he's risen again. He's presented himself to the apostles. And he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. I love the way 40 days. There's so many different references to that, isn't there, like um, throughout the Bible. But he did that. And then he, um, on, verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then going down to verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after this, he was taken up from before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to a room where they were staying, verse 14. Then they all joined together constantly in prayer. So they went up to this room. They joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. You've probably heard this a few times before. Have you ever really imagined what that must have been like? They were all together in one place, praying, and suddenly the sound of a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled it. Imagine you're sitting here now and that just happened. Who's good at making a wind sound effect? Let's all make a wind sound effect. Ready? Actually, not too much because we shouldn't be blowing on one another. Sorry. It's not, not quite okay. <laughs> but the wind came. But, I mean, that was pretty feeble what you heard there. Imagine a sound of a rushing mighty wind blowing through this room they were sitting in. And that's what happened. I mean, it must have been quite terrifying. And then it said, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus had promised them about. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Noah was talking about the gift of tongues, speaking a different language that God enabled them to speak. And they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken, utterly amazed. They asked, aren't all these speaking to us, Galileans? How is it that we hear, each of us hears them speaking in our own native language? Wow, they're all speaking in our own language. I'm going to jump down to verse 11 so I don't have to say all those funny things. Um, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, oh, they've had too much wine. But then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. And I'm not going to read this whole sermon, but he preaches a sermon, a powerful message about the death and resurrection of Jesus. He says, we're not drunk. We're filled with the Spirit. And here's what Jesus has done. And here's what he has fulfilled. And when they heard this, verse 37... They were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See that? Repent, be baptized, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will 
receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will, God will call. Have you, have you repented? Are you here this morning? Have you had a moment in your life where you've repented and been baptized? Well, if so, the promise here is that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. All those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And then here's the portion of text we're going to be sitting in and focusing on the next few weeks. Verse 42 to 47. So after they were saved and added, this is what the believers did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Does that story I just read, it might be quite familiar to some of you, it might be new to some of you. I wonder, does that story inspire you? Or does it excite you? Does it intrigue you? Or are you perhaps just indifferent about it? Oh, it's a nice story. I remember a few years back, I read Roald Dahl's biography. Massive book. I actually listened to it, so it's not quite reading it, but read it. But I remember really getting into it and very interesting, just interested in an author who's written all these books and his life story. and He's not a perfect man by any means, but I got really into it. His gripping stuff. And I don't know if you've ever got into a book and really got into it, or maybe a series of books. I know there's some avid book readers up there. Probably reading a book now. No, you're, not, you're very engaged. Well done. But getting into a book is great. But what is that compared to this? This is the living word of God. And this is a book that is amazing. It's exciting. It's thrilling. But not only that, it's alive. The Holy Spirit brings it to life for us as we read it. And the believers in this story that we just read, they were not people who were indifferent. They were, and they rather, they became, as we heard, devoted says they were cut to the heart after hearing Peter's sermon. Have you had that experience of being cut to the heart? Coming to Jesus isn't just a, oh, that's nice, the, the Christian faith. Yeah, I'll have a go at that. I'll, I'll see how it goes. If that's your experience, then I don't know. I would question, have you really encountered Jesus? Because if you have, you would, like these apostles here, be cut to the heart. You would realize your sinfulness, you'd realize your position before God and, and the utter loss you were at. And you're cut to the heart because of it. But also you are thankful because Jesus has said, I've died for you, you can come to me. They were those who gave their lives to Jesus. They were baptized as Jesus gave the example and instructed 
And then after that happened, it said they devoted themselves. What did they do? They. What did they do? They. That's right. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. So what we see here, and it's really interesting, isn't it, is what immediately follows salvation in this story I just read in Acts. They're saved, they hear the message, they're saved, and what happens straight after, what's the first thing they do? They devoted themselves. They didn't just go, oh, that was great, now off to back to do whatever I was doing. They, they went, no, this has changed my life, I'm going to devote myself to God, to his teaching, to the people of God. It wasn't indifference. It was passion. And what comes first in this list in Acts 42? It says a devotion to the apostles' teaching, which is what we're focusing on this morning. What is the apostles' teaching, maybe you're asking? Or simply put, it's the teaching of the apostles. All right? Thank you. Worked hard on coming up with that definition for you this morning. But more than that, it's the apostles, those who had been with Jesus, of what Jesus has done. They had been with Jesus. They had been taught by Jesus. And now the apostles' teaching is the interpretation, the application of the Old Testament in light of and through the lens of Jesus and what he has done. So we have the Old Testament. And then we have the New Testament. And the Apostles' teaching essentially is the New Testament, including what Jesus did and what he taught, which is all in there. And it's not to say that, okay, we've got the Apostles' teaching, we've got this, so now we can ignore the Old Testament. No. The, old, the New builds on the Old. This is all the Word of God. And as you read the New Testament, you realize that is the case. I remember when I was at school, I was given one of those Gideon Red New Testaments. Did anyone else get that at school? Hands up. Who got a little Gideon Bible? Oh, not that many. Okay. Oh, you got it right there. Show it. Hold it up. There we go. Yes. Very good. I remember I had it in my blazer pocket. I used to carry it around with me. Uh, it was great. I mean, like now, think about it. What an opportunity. Because I was with my school friends who didn't know Jesus. And I remember one time, like, with one of my friends who, again, he didn't know Jesus, he was like, shall we go through this reading plan? It looks cool. I was like, yeah, all right, let's do it. Um, amazing. And I don't know if they still do it, but what a ministry, giving out the New Testament. And it's great and it's so important. But we would be encouraged to read the old with the new. And so we have both. And the first converts, those first believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, they wouldn't have had this New Testament in paper form like we've got it now, but they were with them, and over years and decades, the apostles taught and taught and helped them to grapple with what it meant. Because um, a lot of these um, first followers would have actually been Jews, and so they've got to grapple with this and now live as if the Messiah Jesus had come, because he had come. But what did that mean for them? How do they now relate to the Old Testament, the laws, the prophecies? They were big questions and they had to be worked out, but they devoted themselves to learning, to hearing from the apostles who taught them and then um, put it into writing for us all to 
um, have now, today. And if you're interested in going into more depth about some examples of how we see that, uh, the old worked out in light of the new, um, I encourage you to read Matt's blogs this week. He's going to be going into more depth in some of these. Um, they're on our website under Bible teaching and find it there. I encourage you every day, look at that because that's going to be building on what we're speaking about this morning. But I want to go now back to this idea of devotion to the apostles' teaching, devotion to the truth of the Bible. Because what we see in Acts 2 is the, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the lives of the apostles and of those who hear and receive their message. A true work of the Spirit, so the Spirit came, a true work of the Spirit creates a devotion to God's God and God's Word personally and in the church community. So that again, a true work of the Spirit creates a devotion to God's Word personally and in the community. And it's not just a devotion to God's Word, you know, as in like I'm devoted to reading it and learning about it academically. I'm fully devoted in such a way that I am in submission to this, the Word of God. It's not like I don't like that bit, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave that out, but I like that bit. No, we take the whole word. We grapple with the teaching in it, particularly with the New Testament. And we devote ourselves, we put ourselves under the submission. I remember seeing a preacher once do this, like on their heads, like, you're submitted to the word of God. I could also stand on it. I stand on the word of God. It's a solid rock, a firm foundation. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to submit to everything in here. Even if I don't understand it, if I'm like, I don't know if I like that. It doesn't fit with my friends and how people live and what people expect in this day and age. Am I going to submit to the world or am I going to submit to God? And am, I, am I going to submit to what I read on the, online? Or am I going to submit to the truth of the living word of God? And that's something we have to decide for ourselves. But I choose to submit to the Bible and to make the teaching of it my authority. And you might be thinking, well, I, I want to do that, but I don't know how, if I'm correctly understanding it or interpreting it. You know, am I doing that right? Well, this is where we say, well, I'm also going to devote myself to the Word, but I'm also going to devote myself to the fellowship, to the church, to a local church like you are here today devoting yourself to the church, and I'm going to choose to trust that God has placed leaders here to help teach and guide me in the Word. If I have questions, if I'm not sure how to work something out in my life and I want to use the Word to help me, how am I going to do it? Well, I'll try and look at it myself, but I'll also come to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'll come to my small group. I'll come to my leaders, to my elders, and say, please help me with this. I'm going to devote myself. Does that describe you this morning? Is that you? Or perhaps maybe you're here who's yeah, I'm, I'm coming, I'm dipping my toes in and out. Or are you fully in? Are you devoting yourself to his word, to his church, to the leaders he's appointed over you? It was great to see all those people welcomed in this morning. And what each of them have done have said, I am going to do that. I'm submitting my life to God. I'm also submitting my life to this church, which means I'm submitting to the leadership of this church and trusting that God will use them to help lead, shepherd, and guide me as he has called them called us, me, I'm one of those. 
And it's a big calling. You know, why do believers stray from God and his church? This happens at any stage of life. I remember when I was a teenager, like you guys up there, going to things. And it was great. We got fired up, passionate for Jesus. But then sadly, as the years went on, I watched friend after friend after friend slip away, leave the church, leave their walk with God. And it's heartbreaking I mean, I'm thankful that a number of those friends have now returned to Jesus, praise God, but not all of them. Yeah, it's good news that they've come back, and Jesus is always there with open arms searching for his lost sheep. But one of the key reasons people stray from God and his church is because they stray from the truth, the simple devotion to God and the word of God. We must not get to a point where we go, yeah, no, I've read the word, I've read the whole thing. I know it now, so I don't need to read it anymore. But that could be like saying, well, I've had a roast dinner, I've had burger and chips, I've had a salad, I've had those meals, I don't need them anymore. I'm fine. If we lived like that, I mean, that's a dangerous way to live. It's going to destroy us. And it's the same spiritually. If we say, no, I've, I, that's it, I, you know, I don't need that anymore, it's going to destroy us spiritually. We're going to wither away. We're going to we need the sustenance of the word of God in our lives spiritually. And we need it. Daily. And you might also say, well, I, I struggle with it. I don't know how to read it, where to start, what to read, how long to read it for, what bit. You know, I'm not an intellectual. Well, let me tell you something this morning. It's not for intellectuals. Acts 4.13 says this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, two of the apostles, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. And they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. So the apostles themselves, we read there, fishermen, unschooled, ordinary men. If you think, I'm not clever enough to really grow as a Christian or whatever, that's a lie of the enemy. We are all able to be devoted followers of Jesus. We are all able to be theologians, which is an understanding of who God is. You might think, I don't know theology. You do. Everyone has a theology. and It's our understanding of God. And we've got to trust that God will help us and the church will help us to learn and to grow. And it says they took note they had been with Jesus. So it's not just, I'm going to read my word, I'm just going to be disciplined to read it. I'm going to come to Jesus. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit. I believe that you came and you filled my life. When I gave my life to you, I was filled with the Spirit. I believe, Holy Spirit, you are at work in my life. I'm sorry I've been far from you, but I want to meet with you this morning, this day, through your word, Father God. Help me. It be as simple as that. A simple, short prayer. Help me as I read today. There's a few practical ways that can help us to get into the Word, and I might just touch on a few in a moment. But first and foremost, what we need is we need the Holy Spirit to abide. Everyone say abide. I love that word, abide. It's not one we perhaps use so much now, you know. Um, just trying to think, you know, I've, I've, I've been abiding in my car and working on it or whatever. But I love the word abide because I love it's so rich. 
It means abide, it means to persist, it means to continue in it. Like, I abide in the vine. Jesus is the vine, I'm the branch, I abide, I choose to continue, to persist in him. And so that's what I'm saying. We need the Holy Spirit to abide in our hearts. We need to be saying, come, Holy Spirit, be in my heart as I give my life to you again today, this morning. We need that if we're going to be and continue to be devoted to knowing God through the word. So I think that, that was the real emphasis I felt God speaking to me about as I was preparing. I was like, God, what do you want to say? But that was a really important aspect of this morning. Because what I don't want is for us to go away this morning and go, okay, I've been told yet again at church that I need to read the Bible and pray. Okay, I've heard that before. But it's more than that. It, it's, and my prayer is and has been, and we're going to pray in a minute. We're going to have time to respond to this. And this is something I can't do. I can't make any of you do anything. I, I, I can make, perhaps give a slightly compelling and convincing reason. But ultimately, each of us needs the Holy Spirit to convict us, to convict our hearts, young and old, whatever background we're from. So up there, you guys, looking at you again, you might think, ah, I've got school, you know. There's a lot going on. I've got gaming to do or whatever. I've got, I've got to play golf around my house. Um, you know, all sorts of things that we want to do. And God gives us those things to do. But don't discount yourselves. None of us discount ourselves from growing in the knowledge and the love and a relationship with God through the word. But we need the Holy Spirit, and that's why we need to ask. You need to open your own heart and say, Holy Spirit, come. Come again, fill my sails, as it were. I love that picture of the Holy Spirit and a sailboat. It's a good way of describing it. Sometimes we say the Holy Spirit, we're like a cup, and we need him to fill us up, and we're overflowing. That's one way of putting it. But the image of a sailboat is we're like a boat, and we're just kind of not moving. We say, Holy Spirit, come, and he breathes into that sail and propels us deeper into relationship with God and the way he wants us to go. So we need to say this morning, and I want us to say as a church, I'm so passionate that we are a church that is fully devoted to him, that over this next year, over these next years, we're going to see incredible things. Do you want to see God do amazing things through this church? Do you want to see people come to, do you want to, see people come to faith? Do you want to see broken lives restored? Do you want to see people full of the joy of the Lord in their hearts? Do you want to see people who are uh, going through intense suffering in their lives and yet at the same time able to rejoice in God? Yes, I want to see that. And I know that it can happen if we trust and believe in God and in the Holy Spirit to do it through us and through this church. It's important. And we see this. There's a couple of verses in John. John 8, 31 to 32. John, the apostle, said... He says, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is one of the apostles later speaking to some of these followers. He's saying, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. This is a, a sign that we are truly following him. If I'm holding to the teaching, you'll know the truth, and it will set you free. If you're feeling like you're not free this morning, and there's stuff in your life that's holding you back, the truth will set you free. He can set you free this morning. Jesus can set you free. And 3 John, chapter 1, 
or 3 John, uh, 3 John, sorry, 3 to verses 3 to 4. It says, John says again, it gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth. So John's here, and he hears this story about the believers he's speaking to in this letter. And he said, it gave me great joy when some other believers came and told me about your faithfulness in the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it or how you abide in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I think I would say I have, no gra- I have no greater joy than when I chat with someone and they are genuinely excited about God and about the truth. I mean, it's inspiring, isn't it? Have you ever had those conversations where you're just chatting to someone they're like, oh, I've read this today. And I'm like, not in a way that's like, I read this today. Did you read it? This is what I did. I mean, I'm saying, mm. no, but like a genuine, authentic, like, I just want to share this with you because it's so good about who God is and what he's done in my life and what, what he's doing. I tell you, the times in my life when I've felt most frustrated have been the times where I've looked back over a day or maybe over a week or a season, and I've realized that my devotion to God through his word has been lacking. I kind of get to the end of a day or a week and go, oh, why am I? Oh, yeah, I just, sorry, Lord. I, I just, I have, I've been distracted. I haven't, I haven't devoted myself to you this week through your word. I feel it. But I would say at least I'm feeling it. I think what's worse than that is the next step where we finish a a day or a week and we've lacked devotion to God and we just feel indifferent. We don't even notice. I mean, that's where we really got to worry. Oh, I haven't been close to God, but hey, it's fine. The enemy loves this. He will use this tactic to make it happen. Distractions, any way to get us away from God and devotion to him through his word. Peter and John were filled with boldness and purpose because they had been with Jesus. And so I want us to think to our response, what it is today, and I'll invite the band up because I want us to respond and devote ourselves in singing in a moment. But what's to be our response today? I mean, what is God saying to us? Well, I guess, actually, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? I can't say what God is saying to you right now. I guess that's a question you have to ask. Is God speaking to you right now in this moment? Just remember, we need the Holy Spirit to abide in our hearts if we're going to be devoted to knowing God through his word. I mean, imagine if each of us decided today that we're going to do this and we're going to fully devote ourselves daily to his word this coming year. Imagine what that would look like as a church But we need the Holy Spirit to enable us to do that. And we need one another. We need him to put a fire in our hearts and a fire in our hearts for others. For me to be like, ah, I want to check in with my brother or sister in Christ and just say, how are you doing? Like, have you met with God? Sometimes sometimes it's hard to do that. I'll tell you one of the reasons I can find it hard. I guess because I don't want to come across like super spiritual or like if I'm asking you this, then it, it might make you feel bad and makes out that I'm really good, like I'm doing really well in it. But let's get past those things. And let's trust that we're being genuine with one another. The reason I might ask you, how are you doing the worst? Because I love you as a brother or sister in Christ. And I want you to grow in your devotion to God. And I want you to ask me the same. I want, I want to be asked about this too. And that's why we meet together in community groups and so on. I mentioned there was a few practical ways. 
I'll just briefly touch on some. Like, if you're thinking, I don't know how to get into the Word, I'll just say, start by coming to Jesus, as I said earlier. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to read the Word. Read it slowly. Perhaps start with the Psalms or a Gospel, if you don't know where to begin. It's a good place. Psalms point us to the greatness of God, as well as saying, I'm having struggles, God, but I look to you. Or the Gospels, where we hear the news of who Jesus is. Perhaps you might want a journal. Write down. helps you to stay focused. Write questions and ask of them. I like to use a method called SOAP, which we use in Promised Land with the kids downstairs, don't we? So Rach helps on Promised Land as well, where we say SOAP stands for uh, say, observe, apply, or act, and pray. What does this say that I just read? Can I re-say it, tell it in my own words? What do I observe that's amazing? Well, God, da 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 Apply or act. What action does God want me to take today as a result of what I've read? And pray, pray into that. Another way is to use the blog if you don't know where to start. Matt writes this amazing resource for us each weekday that you can read. Go on to it. Only a few minutes, but it helps you to focus on Jesus and his word. Or I like to use Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. It's got a little reading every morning, every evening, very short. But again, it gets you focused back on God. There's a great book here by a guy called Bruce Mill called Know the Truth. It's been in print for a number of years. It's a really fantastic resource, a handbook of Christian belief. And it just introduced you to how to read the word and just an overview of Jesus. And uh, I borrowed this from Matt. He's got a few out the back. And he gave me permission this morning to say, does anyone want this book? First come, first served, come and get it. First one here can have it. Come get it. Oh, you're too slow out the back. There you go. Enjoy. Whoa. Enjoy it. Get into the word. That's why you shouldn't sit up in the balcony, guys. May that inspire you and may God bless you as you read that book. And you can, you can each get your own copy. They're easily available. And I'd say read and study with others in your community groups. And there are many other ways I could suggest right now, but, you know, we haven't got enough time. But pray, pray, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to put that need, desire, and hunger in your hearts. Be ruthless with eliminating distractions. Delete apps from your phones if need be. And something that Matt's going to suggest in his blogs this week, which I think is a great idea, is take a physical Bible this week and place it in a prominent place in your house, maybe in front of your TV on top of your phone or your iPad, on your kitchen table, but put a Bible somewhere where you're going to see it every day. But not just see it, pick it up, ask God to speak to you through it, and be accountable to someone. Say, will you check in with me about this, how I'm doing? I really want to commit myself. So I think that's enough said. I I want us to stand up. Uh, So if you're able to stand, we're going to sing now. We're going to devote ourselves to Jesus. We're going to ask Jesus to come. But I would love it if we each ask Jesus now to come meet with us. And I want to challenge you. Um, maybe you weren't prepared for this this morning and you, you, you're just not in that place of like, oh yeah, fully, fully all in for Jesus, committing myself to him or recommitting my life to him. Here's a moment to do it in the, in the company of the fellowship of the believers. I'm going to hold my hands out. You don't have to, but if you want to, it's just a physical way of opening myself to Jesus and saying, I'm I'm all here, Jesus, for you. 
Holy Spirit, I recognize that you are here with us, that you are at work in our hearts in this place. I also recognize I can't convince anyone to do anything. But I know, God, you can compel people. You can move in hearts. You do. You can break through to people's lives. And I ask now, and if you want to pray this with me, guys, then you can pray this too. Lord Jesus, I ask that you give me a fresh devotion to you and to your word. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will enable me tomorrow morning, Monday morning, to wake and to devote my life to you again, to to read your word. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to me and guide me through your word this week. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give me words from your truth to share with others that will encourage them on their journey of faith this week. Holy Spirit, come and move amongst us as a people. Come and impact us. Come and shake this room this morning. Make us fully devoted to you this year, Lord God. May we see your glory. May we see it more than we've seen before through our lives. May we see our community come to you, Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and we're now going to declare our confidence and our trust and our love for you now as we sing to you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's praise him together.